This is the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and I am lucky enough to be your host. Uh, For those of you who follow the blog, you know that right now I am not recording this live in any measure, and even more than usual, and that I am in hospital, and this is pre-recorded. Don't worry, I'm fine. And uh, that everyone else is managing this for me. And that I have lovely uh, people pulling things together for me. So, that said, uh, let's move on to the podcast. As always, the blog is at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can subscribe at the Patreon, patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory. And you can throw a coin in the hat at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. My guest today was supposed to just be my metamor Daniel Greenwolf. DanielGreenwolf.com is the website. And uh, his podcast is The Greenwolf Cast, which is, uh, you can find the link below in the notes. Uh, but there's a Patreon, which you should go subscribe to. I do. It's worth it. I really like the uh, patron-only podcast episodes. They're the best ones. Um, which is not to say that the ones that are open to the public are bad. It's to say that he's hiding the best content. Um So, Daniel was supposed to be my only guest, but even though I'm broadcasting this, like, more than halfway through the season, this was the first podcast I ever recorded. So, I didn't do a very good job getting all the content I needed out of one person. So, I threw up the metamore signal and called upon my other metamore, Vanessa, or as some people know her from performing with Daniel, with Daniel Bella Greenwolf, uh, to save me, basically. And so today's podcast is kind of in two halves. Uh, I will perhaps attempt to record a short bridge between them, but really it's just in two halves. And we cover the entire spectrum between kitchen table and parallel polyamory from the most extreme end of one to the most extreme end of the other. And we try to acknowledge the space in the middle. I think that I do a much more nuanced job of doing this on the blog. There's a series, uh, I call it the relationship spectrum And it's a little drop-down menu if you're on your computer on the blog. It's just called Relationship Spectrum. And if you aren't, uh, I've included a link to it right below this in the notes. Um, And also, if you are in the mobile app, if you're on the main page of the site where it says all posts, if you hit that, it gives you a list of categories. You can see it there and click on it and then you get the whole list and you can go through to whichever category sounds interesting. Yeah, I wrote a whole series. It's great. Um, so those are your more nuanced look at this. 
we only spent like 40 minutes in total between the two of us. Um, or three of us, rather, I suppose. Two of them. Anyway, here we are with my first ever podcast. And uh, you can tell it's my first ever podcast. And not my first ever intro, but really, don't I make it sound like it? It's lovely. So for me, my personal definitions are that polyamory is a choose your own adventure book. And uh, that's sort of the overarching thing. And parallel polyamory is doing that with a focus on autonomy and yourself. And kitchen table polyamory is doing that in committee. Um, I... I find that interesting. Um, I think that you're fairly you're you're fairly uh, close on the nose on that one. Where I'm where I would be, I would say that for I mean, it, using the terms, um, one is parallel polyamory, and one is perpendicular polyamory. You know, it's like um, one just intersects, and one decides it wants to exist. Um, um, you know, uh, parallel and separate from each other. I mean, just by going going full math on the whole thing. But I think that. I think polyamory by committee, that's, that's pretty, I think that's pretty close to what kitchen table poly might come out to be. I would maybe add on that, um, because the, the, the term that you often hear when you hear kitchen table polyamory is that people that you would, could sit around the, the, the kitchen table uh, and, and have a conversation with and enjoy connecting with and, and talking about things. Um, kitchen table polyamory is, is I I think the dream more so because everybody is amicable. Everybody, um, it's not necessarily just that everybody is a decision maker in the whole relationship. Uh, I think that's a whole nother level of polyamory um, that goes beyond kitchen table polyamory. I think that that has to do with um, um, a full, I, I believe committee polyamory might be a good term for it, right? Like every, we're going to set up here and, <laughs> We're going to, so who's taking, who's taking care of childcare this week? Who's doing, okay, we've got Grace and Billy, they're doing childcare. Who's going to take care of, okay, you've got that, all right, good. Damn committee's always fighting with each other. No one wants to take on doing the con. So I ended up writing an enormous series of posts on the blog uh, about sort of the spectrum from very extreme kitchen table to very extreme parallel polyamory and deciding that in general, neither of the extremes are particularly healthy because at the far extreme of kitchen table polyamory, you end up with actually the kind of communes that the term polyamory grew out of uh, where everyone is expected to be in sort of very large blob units of polyamory and working toward extremely detailed common goals. Um, and at the very extreme of parallel, you end up with these don't ask, don't tell policy relationships where people truly don't want to know anything about their metamors, except that the concept yeah. of a whole pass kind of exists. And the healthy stuff uh, on both ends 
is more what I want to talk about today. Well, yeah, because well, like uh, you know, it's it's all. I mean, it's it's Marxism versus capitalism, right? Like it's totally one is one is uh, you're kind of out for yourself. And mm -hmm. you're out for your own interests and maybe the interests of somebody else, a partner. But that, but generally you're out for your own interests and what makes you happy 100% of the time, not caring what anybody else does, no matter how connected they are to you. And then the other side is, for the greater good of the work, we all do the work to do the greater good. And that's how it works. And I think that, that, I think that those are the two, you know, the two, the two uh, big, big extremes. And you're right. I think everything... I think everything is only healthy in the middle. I, I, I don't think that just pertains to polyamory. Like, nothing. I, and I, I say this as somebody who probably is an extremist on certain things, who certainly has obsession <laughs> in, in my, my career and, and in other things. But, like, uh, you know, it exists so much so in the middle. But I think what happens is that um, when you connect with somebody, if, if you share interests, if you share ideas, if you share passions with other people, you know, you're going to generally be in relationships, generally, with people you share those passions with. And I think it's more likely that if everybody is sexually fluid, and so the gender of somebody doesn't matter, mm -hmm. um, which in, in my case, that is the case for the most part. Uh, for me, it is completely the case. And for uh, Ken and Vanessa, it is also the case. Uh, so if you meet with somebody who shares those passions, shares those interests, shares those things that excite them, shares the things that you're into, it's likely that one of your other partners might be, might connect on 70 or 80% of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, it's not a given that a relationship is going to come out of that by any stretch. Maybe it'll just be a friendship. Maybe it'll just be, oh, cool, I like hanging out with this person too. And, and for me, my obsessions and my passions and my interests are so very specific. And my life is so very specific for what I do as a professional magician and the fact that I am polyamorous and I'm an advocate mm -hmm. and things like that that I'm going to connect with other people and that most likely my partner or partners would connect with them as well. Um, and so I think that's where even not just necessarily triads, but just where the idea of uh, kitchen table polyamory, the idea that you can, uh, mm -hmm. that you would be friendly with everybody that you're um, uh, in your polycule, as it were, um, which sounds so kept. Mm -hmm. well, isn't that the point? It's molecule and polyamory. I know. I think so. Right. It's gotta yeah. be right. There's no other, I don't know. Right. I'm it's not, a portmanteau of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I took three years. You can also you call them constellations if you want. And you know what? That rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't know why that you're right. So I guess there's, <laughs> there's something inside. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that's why kitchen table polyamory is, you know, you say the goal for a lot of people, but I think it's just because people want to be around people that, that, that with stuff they're interested in. And it seems weird to it seems weird for somebody that i love to love somebody who is so different from me i want nothing to do with them um it just it just seems it just seems odd to me personally and i know that that's not the case people have different sides to them people are are they're, they're a rainbow you know <laughs> so it, of course they've just this spectrum of things but but it just seems like for me I want to connect with people who share my passions, my interests, the the things that I do, um, even if it's cursory, you know. Yep. Um, and that would cause a friendship. I, you know, 
And so I think that's what ends up happening is I'd rather be interested in what uh, you know uh, that's just that's what you exude i think that's the 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 energy the aura you you give out and so that's why i think that kitchen table is i think kitchen table is far more common um in in the sense of the general in the sense of the general not like the specific everything's run by committee i don't know that it is so part of it is also that my definition of where parallel starts is i think a little closer to the center than a lot of people's because i teach a class uh called beyond the kitchen table uh talking about the different forms of parallel polyamory and the thing that i do at the beginning of class is start asking people what their expectations are of a kitchen table relationship And it's amazing in the times that I've taught it, how many different answers I get. You get everything from what you're describing, the like, oh, we're generally generally friendly. We can hang out at a party or sit and have a quick chat all the way up to, well, it's not kitchen table unless we're all close enough that like an accidental threesome is possible. And that's that's the no true Scotsman argument. Well, right. Exactly. And so you end up getting this extremely wide variety of uh, people's opinions that I end up sort of going, look, people's goals can be whatever people's goals are. But Mm -hmm. both these terms are sort of useless unless at the beginning of your relationship, you talk about it. If you go into a relationship and you say, well, I generally practice kitchen table polyamory and the other person doesn't go, well, what does that mean to you and your partners? Mm -hmm. You're missing a sort of essential negotiation step. Yeah. And I think I think something that that might concern people. And in fact, even just in this conversation, you know, we've already kind of pointed out the idea that. The, the term kitchen table polyamory can mean so many different things to so many different people that I, I would shy away from using most labels in terms of the type of polyamory that I am. Because, um, for instance, I'm not technically, you know, I'm not in a closed triad, uh, but someone might have said that I was in a closed triad for five years, you know, even though I wasn't in a closed Actually, no, I'm really Three. happy that. Three years, really, three years, yeah. Um, so, like, some people might have said that was the case, uh, but I was never in a closed triad. It just, uh, we just kind of were working out what to do with that and how to, to approach it. Right. None of because, you had met someone who you were in a serious additional relationship with. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then I was still the last to really venture out for for that mm-hmm. um, i always i've always been the hanger on to i'm very terrible at change and i know that because me for too instance, when yeah when we first started uh everything you know six and a half years ago i was the last one to admit that feelings were involved because it's like eh, this is gonna go bad i don't know and it, I mean, it, it, the thing is, funny thing is that it did go bad, but not for the bad reasons. It went bad for the exactly right reasons. I got out of a toxic <laughs> relationship and got into a better one. Um, but but that's but but I think that to use and I know that labels can be very helpful. And I use labels myself. I use polyamorous. I use pansexual. Um, 
I do use male to, to, to identify myself because mm -hmm. I am comfortable identifying as that. And I know that that is using those labels are comfortable for other folks. But once you start describing, uh, really complicated ideas with basic labels and then having to add addendums because those basic labels um, have to have so much to it because it's such a wide variety. I don't necessarily think it's helpful for um, a discussion about your relationship and what you're interested in. I think just saying even something as simple of, of well, in our relationship, um, you know, I you need to, to you need to know my other halves. You need to be comfortable hanging out with them, um, which is certainly one definition of poly of kitchen table poly. Um, you know that 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 I think is just but getting rid of the term kitchen table poly for those things, and maybe later on saying, okay, this is what I am, so you can talk to other people about it. But when you're talking to somebody about starting a relationship, um, I feel like those terms can actually hinder as opposed to help. Well, um, right. And I think you know. some of it and some of what I end up advocating uh, is basically only using those labels if you're at the extremes of them. Yeah. And Which... then adding the <laughs> agenda. Good, I'll get out. <laughs> Which is good because I'll get out. If you're in the extremes, right. that saves us. That saves us. I, I literally can right. finish my coffee in the car. Uh, <laughs> right. It saves me time in that, like, just hearing one of those said and me going, oh, well, what does that mean to you? I will immediately either get a bunch of red flags or not. Yeah, I I feel bad because of the way I feel on this, which is um, if you're one of the extremes, it's not going to work. I feel that about most extremes, not just about polyamory or any relationships. I feel that if you are an extremist, it you are a 99% chance that because you are unwilling to compromise, um, it's not going to work. So I think in general, there are healthy and unhealthy ways to do everything, but that at the extremes, you find way more unhealthy examples than healthy ones. Uh, so every once in a while you find people who just mesh really well and cap their relationship at a certain size and that works really well for everyone involved, but it's extremely rare. Every member of that group agrees with whatever the extreme behavior is. Mm -hmm. And so you can find a small group who all agree with your extreme choice way more easily than you can find additional people to join a small group that agrees with your extreme choice. That's sure. all I'm saying. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you and on that. Sense, so yeah. you can find like five people who get along really well and be a kitchen table unit for 20 years who would all consult with each other before anyone moves house, before anyone has additional kids, before any of those sort of big life decisions. Sure. And everyone can be on board with that. And you can all pool communal resources in whatever way you want and whatever. And that would technically be at the extreme end of kitchen table. Because 
Uh, almost there, because you know maybe. you require all of those people to have some kind of sexual relationship. Whatever, it's a lot easier to do that when you're talking about five people than twenty. Well, yeah, but I also think that in in the same sense of that, I don't even know if that necessarily counts as I. When I think extreme, mm-hmm. I think something that somebody is going to give up their their natural human action for the good of for instance let's go extreme kitchen table poly you're giving up your natural human action in order for the good of the group in the extremes of poly polyamory the extremes of them um is completely ignoring human condition and it's completely ignoring what humans are both capable of and incapable of for both of those sides you know um it's a it's a it's a utopia for either side, that so, doesn't exist. I don't know if I understand what you mean by that. Okay. And it may be that we're defining these extremes differently, or it may be that I just don't know what you mean by what humans are capable of and incapable of. I, my thing is, when I think extreme, my brain goes to extremes. And I feel like because everybody exists somewhere in the middle, that's what gives more chance for success. So... I guess sure. that's why I would even use those labels when I'm when I'm discussing because I'd be worried about because I know what my mindset is I guess and maybe that's because I'm a little I'll be, I'm a nut uh, to quote well, to quote right. Pendulette I'm a nut and I get that <laughs> and I think that like our polycule is a great example of something that sits in the middle absolutely uh, which I literally used it as in that relationship series we've got relationships within the network that are almost completely parallel and then very occasionally intersect and we've got relationships within the network that are both extremely kitchen table in that like the three of you guys live together and make big life decisions (laughs) about where you're gonna live right you literally share a kitchen table and relationships that end up a little closer mostly because of circumstance like one of your partners is long distance Mm -hmm. if someone is long distance and is coming to spend the weekend uh the person who isn't in a relationship with them doesn't exactly have the option of well be gone for the extent of this visit exactly yeah i would say definitely we exist our 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 polycule exists right smack dab in the middle in fact to the point of where some people might need a scorecard to connect where the pieces all you know join in and uh, yep. or was it a, a seat? Was it a, a, a an employee flowchart? Right, like you've got the dotted lines everywhere. <laughs> right, exactly. And do you do like different thicknesses of uh, or sort of separation between dots to show how close people are <laughs> and how much they interact? Like, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Um, basically, I think we're agreed that the middle ground the parts of parallel polyamory that are just well we don't have enough in common to super hang out and but we're great with parties and holidays and being generally civil to each other versus kitchen table being we're actually legitimately friends we might go get a drink or a coffee ourselves sometime uh is sort of the healthy range and the stuff that's beyond that gets increasingly unhealthy as you get beyond that and out to those extremes of we're in a commune, the decisive unanimous vote is mandatory, 
and don't ask, don't tell. I don't even know their names. I just vaguely know they exist. Yeah. There's no hard lines to draw. Yes, absolutely. Um, and maybe the only the the only hard line is the inability to compromise. I think that's I think that's the only hard line I would draw is that if you have the inability to compromise on anything, um, you, first of all, you're not functioning as a human being very well. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't care if one of them became president. Uh, you've got to. <laughs> Sorry, did we go political? Sorry, you might have to cut that. Uh, but but I think that there's definitely just finding the ability to compromise to some extent. And I think that that's, at its basis, all relationships are just about that level of compromise and how much you're willing to compromise. Um, and and to, what le- to what level is that healthy? You know, can you don't compromise too much, but don't compromise too little. And I think that's the biggest issue that we, I think that's that's the biggest issue all around. Well, and I think the only way you can compromise too much is if it's one-sided compromising. Well, that's I think it's giving up who you are. I, I say compromise, but it's really compromise is about giving up and getting. So if you just give up, it's not a compromise. If you just yeah. get, you're not a compromise. So yeah, so in that sense, mm-hmm. you're right. There has to be you have to be comfortable with the compromise. Well, let me phrase that: you have to be willing to compromise and accepting of the compromise. Com- comfort is not necessarily always required. Right. So long as it's not that you're always the one who's uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody well, compromises where nobody gets what they want. Everyone. <laughs> well, no, it's that somebody might get what they want on a given one, but in an overall sense of the relationship, everyone's got to be uncomfortable sometimes if anyone is uncomfortable at all. I know. I've, I've, being a wise ass you're right yeah absolutely. i no, know everybody, everybody gets low. that's i'm just trying to say the serious thing <laughs> so that no. way we can include the serious thing yeah and then we can cut your wise ass into a blooper and here is me talking with vanessa after sending out the metamore signal uh following my conversation with daniel try like dating apps and meeting people through their I just I don't think it's someone that you're just friends with because you have a lot in common and now there's this other thing right like I think especially nowadays people tend to meet people through all of these Mm -hmm. sort of different ways than they used to your friends don't set you up on as many blind dates as they used to not well right so it's just this sort of modern dating culture has transitioned to a lot of people meeting someone who they click with sort of just enough and being like we're gonna date for a while so it's not that they share like 80 percent of your passions yeah i think it's hard for people who are polyamorous because like it's almost like you need like a specialized dating site because people like people who aren't polyamorous don't understand it or they think that you're just trying to cheat and even when like a lot of people use like okay cupid and it's just like the amount of times like because i'm in a polyamorous group on facebook yeah and the amount of experiences where people get along really well they're like you know and i explained about you know polyamory and about my lifestyle and then when it comes down to it they're like oh no i thought you'd be monogamous for me And I think it's just a lot harder for people who are polyamorous. But well, anyway, 
on top of that there's also this issue of some people like have kitchen table as such an overarching goal where Mm -hmm. like they really feel pressure to not just be friends with like their partner's friends the same way you do or you would in a monogamous relationship but like also their partners and their partner's friends and the extended social group yeah and that can get kind of weird sometimes because it's like so maybe I'm weird in this in particular but I have like levels of friendship and acquaintanceship with people Mm -hmm. where I've got like acquaintances who I'm in passing like oh hey if I saw them at a party I might remember their face or their name or both but Mm -hmm. we don't really have anything to talk about and we kind of walk on past each other unless someone who we sort of have more in common with is bridging us through a conversation yeah and then I've got like what in my 20s I called party friends people who you like send the invite to when you're doing something yeah but you're not actually close to and then I have real friends and then I have what I call like heart friends the people who have been around for 5 10 15 20 years who are never really gonna leave my life right yeah And so I never expect going into something that a metamore is going to end up being a heart friend. And I have like one instance where that happened, but neither of us is with the people we were with, including that hinge partner. Like none of the people we were with at the time have stuck around. And it's been another nine nine years since we had anyone in common except each other right and so like we joke that we're gonna golden girls together with another one of our friends when we get old Um, that is the ultimate goal though isn't it like (laughs) because right now none of us have nesting partners too yeah And I feel like no one our age has an actual retirement plan, even if you have a 401k, like no one actually intends to use it. We're all just like, the economy will crash. It's fine. Um, So we're simultaneously imagining like being Rue McClanahan and running around our retirement community and going retirement community. None of us are going there. Yeah. Uh, But so because of like never expecting that and also never expecting to sort of just be acquaintances and like wave across a room, that still leaves a lot in the middle. And I'd sort of still consider party friends parallel because Mm -hmm. you might have a conversation four times a year. Yeah. About the two things you have in common that aren't your partner, but those two things aren't enough to be like, oh, let's get coffee once a week. (laughs) I think part of my personal issue is that people hear parallel polyamory and actually think of perfect straight lines that never touch. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of gray in the middle 
that still kind of ends up counting as parallel because your interaction isn't super high Mm -hmm. and because your entwinement is sort of non-existent like you don't entangle finances at all you don't entangle your sort of mutual friend groups beyond those party friends yeah i feel like the bare bones definition of parallel poly is almost like a don't ask don't tell kind of thing and it's like where you and your partner have an understanding you have an agreement you know that they're dating other people you just don't care to know who they are or anything about them or what you or what you your partner is doing with them well, right. And to me, that's the most extreme end of it. And so that's exactly. the way to do it that isn't healthy, just like yeah. the sort of really extreme end of kitchen table where people are sort of forcing their partners to get into triads they don't want to be in or bigger groups mm-hmm. that they don't want to be in because otherwise they're not polyamorous enough. There's giant scare quotes around that yeah uh is the unhealthy way to do kitchen table and there's so much in the middle that is healthy and is possible and it really depends on your individual situation like i don't think you could say all right well the definition of parallel poly is this and the definition of kitchen table poly is this and you fit into one or the other there is so much overlap between the two and there are so much gray areas that people just fit into. Yeah, like, look, I've never had more than two relationships where each of those people was seeing one other person or more, where somewhere along the line there wasn't a parallel relationship. Like, there's mm-hmm. always somebody who, oh, I don't mind that person. I'll see them at big things, but. I'm not going to, like, text them to check in twice a week. Yeah. Because it's sort of my job to get unnecessarily into semantics on this. I wrote up these little definitions of parallel and kitchen table poly, Mm -hmm. where basically the difference is that kitchen table focuses on making those relationships between metas get closer. Yeah. For the benefit of the hinge, for the most part, to like give them less work to do. <laughs> but yeah. it puts the emotional labor on the metamorphs. Right. And parallel poly puts the emotional labor on the hinge. Yes. To help the two partners that they have, or more than that, but the two par- partners who are parallel. Uh, manage their boundaries around that while still both getting to have relationships with the hinge. Mm-hmm. That's also part of, I mean, of setting boundaries. Like you can, you can be kitchen table poly and everyone in the poly cool can be very involved with each other on a friendship level and, you know, who's dating who, but, you know, if there's not boundaries, then things start to get kind of messy and then come expectations. And it's like, well, what started out as just a thing we did 
that now turned into a habit that now turned into an expectation and who's uncomfortable because now they feel this pressure of an expectation and, and that can be, you know, I mean, that can be messy anywhere. But yeah, I think you're basically right that letting things develop organically and not forcing people is the healthy way to do this, no matter Mm -hmm. where you land on this spectrum. Yeah. And that all of it is about letting people hold their boundaries where they want. And that Mm -hmm. might change over time or it might not. Right. But and then when boundaries do change or if you're feeling stuck in a boundary, it's always okay, I think, to bring that up and have that conversation and redefine boundaries. Like, I don't believe that anything is ever set in stone. And um, if, if you've set a boundary or something and, you know, it was great at the time, but now uh, even a month or two down the line, it's not really working out. Um, it definitely is something that should be revisited and redefined. Well, right. And because boundaries are sort of rules about what you'll do, not rules about what they'll do, Mm -hmm. sometimes you end up going, oh, my boundary shifted in this way, so this part of what we're doing can shift or not, depending on your comfort level. So basically, if somebody tries to reset a boundary and the other person is basically like yeah but I'm okay with where we were then until a specific instance comes up where they're not Mm -hmm. it may not matter that a boundary has shifted right it's just kind of for each other's information yep and I think the important part of that too is to not force it and it kind of I feel like kitchen table poly almost has to evolve organically for some people. Like maybe it starts out as a parallel poly situation where you're aware of the other person's partner and you're introduced, but you know, there's minimal interaction and then maybe over time there's more interaction and it just becomes a natural thing. Um, and then there, there isn't that awkwardness where it's like, okay, well, it's the hinge in the situation. It's their birthday or um, it's a holiday and you don't feel like you have to divide your time. And then eventually it kind of evolves more from a parallel situation to a kitchen table situation. Right. And like, I'm a big believer in just letting it be what it's going to be. So like, yeah. I don't... This might sound terrible, but beyond knowing that they know about the situation, for which purposes I usually try to meet them, mm-hmm. I don't care who my metamors are until like six months into something when I know it's not a fling. Yeah. And I know that I'm not just wearing NRE goggles. And so mm-hmm. really kitchen table people find that really off-putting. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, no, but you have to be trying to be friends with the whole polycule starting at like month two. Yeah, and that's that's overwhelming that for a lot fit. of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have the emotional energy for that. No. Right. And depending on the size of their polycule, I mean, you might be expected to to do that with, 
you know, one or two people, or it could be upwards of five, six, seven people. Like who knows if you're really getting like everybody's partners and metamors like have to be friends, like that could end up to be a large group of people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like without the flow chart my brain will recall none of this. I'm too ADHD to handle this situation. I mean, and I think that's a big part of it. It's um, emotionally what you're able to handle and um, how long you've been polyamorous. Basically, my take on kitchen table and parallel poly is that both can be fine and both can be really unhealthy. Right. And that the thing that makes kitchen table really firmly kitchen table is that it's sort of if polyamory as a whole is choose your own adventure kitchen mm-hmm. table is choose your own adventure in committee yeah you've got like these people that you've decided get to have a little bit of a say in your big life moves you're like i'm moving house i'm changing jobs i'm deciding to have more kids or not mm-hmm like that to me is the distinct difference between them and I teach a class on this and a lot of people get angry at me saying that because they've read all of the books that identify kitchen table as the goal Mm -hmm. and so they're like well I identify as kitchen table and it absolutely just means that I have to be friends with people it doesn't mean that and I'm like well okay maybe that's all it means to you but these terms are only helpful if we then ask what do you mean by that so as always everything is a matter of negotiation that might be messier or might be easier to figure out whether you agree on what kitchen table means or not, uh, or what parallel means, or not, is really important to figure out. So a huge thanks to both Daniel and Vanessa for being willing to talk to me and for being such amazing guests uh, throughout this whole process, and especially during this podcast, because uh, it was my first podcast, and they're both great at hosting and being guests on these things as always you can find them at danielgreenwolf.com at the greenwolf podcast and on various social media under daniel and bella greenwolf you can find me at readyforpolyamory.com Uh, If I'm up and about, you can, as usual, find me at my Twitter, which is in the notes. And, you know, everything's down in the notes by now, guys. You know the drill. Um, So, please give to the Patreon or to the Ko-Fi to keep the lights on if you can. And uh, see you next week. Uh, we are going to have guest posts up for the next couple of weeks, and then my posts are going to be back. Uh, I have a little bit pre-written that might come up first or might be thrown in among the guest posts. I haven't decided yet. And uh, see you on the other side. (laughs) ¶¶